0: Hey branches, it's Colin and it's February 24th and we are continuing our reading of Mark's gospel together for the season of Lent. We're now in chapter 5, we just wrapped up chapter 4 yesterday. And today in chapter 5 we're going to see, honestly, a pretty strange story of Jesus delivering a whole bunch of demons from one guy uh, and kind of their conversation what it says about Jesus's identity and maybe if any uh, what spiritual knowledge we can gain from it what we can learn from the story together Uh, also again uh, an echo again from earlier in the story of people's kind of fear of jesus how is he associated with this demon how could he have control over him what does it mean about who jesus is and really for me to get to nerd out a little bit about christian theology and one topic in particular what we call christology really who is jesus the question we asked yesterday and how we answer that several centuries later uh with some theology so we're in mark chapter 5 Starting in verse 1, we're going to read the first 20 verses of this chapter today. So hear this from Mark chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had been often restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains were wrenched apart. And the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country, then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus, saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it, and they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him, but Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. I have in my margins here of my little printed edition of the Gospel of Mark we're handing out on Sundays, just the word yikes, next to the story of the demons being pushed into this herd of swine, about 2,000, which would really be a large, large herd. But this story, every time I read it, I'm just... I guess, captivated, but also just, um, I don't know, repulsed a little bit by this thing that Jesus does to this man and to these uh, demons and into these swine. It's kind of outside of our kind of modern understanding of how somebody who just really seems to be having um, a difficult time spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, uh, how Jesus treats him, and then also what happens in the aftermath. Uh, apparently we get this kind of strange detail that no one had the strength to subdue this man i can't think the implication here is that this pile of demons that now live in him that possess him are giving him the strength of many demons and also the voice of many demons and also kind of the the aim of many demons which is just to be bodily dwelling uh, in a person. And it seems like this guy's been around for a long time. Everybody in the neighborhood knows who he is. He's kind of the the famous town crazy person and is now in uh, this cave and he comes out to Jesus to meet him. And again, Jesus is identified by the demons, just as we read earlier in Mark's gospel and says, Jesus, son of the most high God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Mark kind of tells the story a little bit out of out of order because we see in past tense, for he had said, completed past tense, had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus had initiated, okay, we're going to deliver this guy. I'm going to have mercy on this guy. And uh, the demon doesn't want to be tormented. He doesn't want to leave. Uh, he, he doesn't want to be sent away. He likes it where he is. His name's Legion, or their name is Legion, for we are many. And uh, we don't really know anything else. Uh, this is really the only telling of the story about about this, what this means. And again, this is kind of outside our modern understanding of what would be wrong with this man and Jesus in mercy or compliance or without knowing what practically he should do next, sends this legion of demons into a herd of swine. The, the pretty picture, the kind of silver lining of the story is that then people come across Jesus and the man that they had once known to Presumably be naked and not in his right mind, now clothed and in his right mind. And the response is not grace or kindness or even excitement or kind of inviting Jesus to help some other people in the neighborhood, but they were afraid. Again, we're brought to the idea that did they think that he had power over demons because he was a demon or that he was the king of the demons or he had subdued the demons because he's more powerful and more evil than even this legion of demons they don't understand kind of another common thread of mark's gospels people don't quite understand what he's up to and so they just want to rush him out like we don't want any part of this we don't know what's going on please leave our neighborhood and this now delivered demoniac who's now not a demoniac anymore wants to follow Jesus is like, you've done this for me. I want to, I want to see more of this. I want to be part of this. And he follows, he, he asks to follow Jesus and Jesus denies him. But more amazing than that is Jesus doesn't say, and by the way, don't tell anybody what I've done. But really for one of the first times, he says to the man, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Don't keep this a secret. Go tell everyone what's happened because in your town, they really need to hear it, is kind of the assumption that I'm making. And we get this word, Lord, how much the Lord has done for you. What Jesus is saying is like, God has done this. Kurios is the word there. The Lord has done this for you. God, Yahweh, the king, uh, the, the 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 God of the Jews of the Hebrew people has done this for you. And he's shown you mercy. He's delivered you from it. He didn't leave you in this state. Jesus is saying, God did this. But then the man in his response says, Uh, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed by it. The kind of tease I gave at the beginning is to talk a little bit about theology, for us to kind of nerd out about um, what what is happening here in the story and and who Jesus thinks Jesus is, who people think Jesus is, and who, uh, what, who Mark thinks Jesus is. That we'll hear Jesus uses the word Lord, speaking of God, and then the man, Mark doesn't correct this, it says what Jesus had done for him. There's a couple of ways to slice this. That one, uh, Jesus is doing thing on God, on the Lord's authority, or maybe Mark is kind of in a sly, undercutting way, associating Jesus with that word Lord. The first Christian creed, in some way, the first stated creedal statement of Christians in the first century, Jesus is Lord. When we look at the Gospels. Oops, one end of the spectrum, Mark. The other opposite end of the spectrum is John. We use this word Christology. How high is the Christology? Is Jesus seen as this actual divine God figure? And John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word was, was Jesus, we see in John. It's not as clear in Mark, except maybe here is some evidence that We shouldn't kind of compete the Gospels against each other for their Christologies, but maybe in Mark, Jesus is also Lord. Maybe that's something that you can ponder this week, or as you continue to read in Mark. What other signs do we have, if there are any, that Jesus is not just a representative of God, but is God himself in the flesh? I, of course, have my opinion, but I'm curious to know what you think. Maybe leave a comment on our social media or email me or something. What do you think about this idea that, that Mark conflates the work of the Lord and the work that Jesus has done in this demoniac's life? Thanks for listening today and hope to see you tomorrow.